Well, let's turn now to the Word of God, and let's go to Matthew chapter 5 as we re-enter our Lord's Sermon on the Mount, and let's consider again how Jesus describes our essential purpose on the earth. I want you to let this truth sink in once again, that your life has great purpose in Christ. Sadly, most people that we know live out their entire lives with no sense of ultimate purpose. And it makes sense. You think about it. Generation after generation in our culture has been indoctrinated by the world's education and by media to believe that their existence is merely accidental. I mean, this is what everybody's been taught, that, that there was a random explosion in deep space eons ago. And from that explosion of nothing came everything. Maybe some simple life form, and from that, if evolution to now all that we see here. And if that's your worldview, here's how you would boil it down. There's no God. There's no plan. There's no real right or wrong. There's no future for you beyond this lifespan. And there's no purpose for you on the earth. It is a sad and depressing worldview that's being taught and has been taught in our culture. Here's the good news, it's not true. In fact, it's a lie and we know it comes from Satan himself. We have good news that we have a creator who created this earth and created us on it. And we are loved by our creator. You and I were designed by God to know him and to worship him. You and I were designed by God to walk in his power and not our own. You and I were designed by God to glorify him on this earth and to enjoy him forever. Believer, you have a purpose. Even for our brief stay on this earth, even before we get to the new heaven and new earth, even during this stay on the earth, there is a great purpose for every believer in Jesus Christ. And now let's see it in the scripture. Matthew 5, 13 and following. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So last week we considered how Jesus talked about our essential purpose, we're the salt of the earth. And this week we return to that same idea where Jesus now says of his disciples and of us that we are the light of the world. Now what an amazing statement that is that Jesus would declare to his disciples, you're the light of the world. You and I know we were once in darkness but now because of the grace of God that we just celebrated at the Lord's table, oh, we've now been made the sons and daughters of God. And he can now call us, those who are once in darkness, he can say, you disciples, you're now the light of the world. So think about it. Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. He's clearly indicating that his children are the most important people on the earth. He has great intentions for us on the earth, a great purpose for us, a life of impact, a life of significance. These are strong statements he makes of his disciples. So let's take on this idea that we are light. What does he mean by that? 
So what's the nature of light? What does it do? Well, light illumines things. Light gives direction. What's interesting is this is one of the ways that Jesus described himself. In John 8, 12, then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we are the light of the world because we are his and we carry his light that shines through us in the world. Now consider with me the profound difference that light makes. You and I know this, we experience it every day. Don't you love sunrise? Don't you love the fact that it's all dark at night, can't see anything, dangerous out there, bad things tend to happen more at night. Oh, but we love morning when everything then is now exposed, everything's now visible, life just works better in the light. But then the cycle repeats and then we descend into darkness and we look forward to morning. Or how about this, when you have a storm and suddenly in the evening, your home is plunged into darkness. How many of you enjoy that? <laughs> Nobody does. We're like, oh no, the power's out. And then we start walking around our homes like Frankenstein, trying to find some alternative light, right? You want to find it before your toe catches the leg of a table. And you get your flashlight or you get your lanterns. You do something because you don't like that being disoriented in the darkness. Well, Jesus is saying that you and I are that important in the world. That, that the world needs light and that's your function on the earth. And that's the contrast with darkness. And throughout the scriptures, evil and ignorance, all that described as darkness. It's a sad and accurate metaphor of us before we came to Jesus. In fact, think about many of your loved ones, your friends, your coworkers, they live their whole lives with the spiritual lights out. And you're now in the light and you can see, no, no, that's the wrong way to go. And you're, you're in your heart just so concerned. No, if you, do, if you keep doing that, that's gonna lead to a lot of pain. That's, that's dysfunction. You see it, they don't see it. They keep slamming into the same things over and over. These, these terrible mistakes that you see where it's heading, not to even mention the judgment to come, but you see it now. But we have compassion because you and I once were in darkness ourselves. We know we're no better than they are. We, we remember that blindness. We remember when we didn't understand. Listen to Colossians 1.13. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We too were spiritually blind. We too were in the darkness. And now by the grace of God, we're carrying the light of the gospel out into the world. So now we're in the light. Now we are his light. And we have this role of carrying his light. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Now Jesus makes another point that this, that light cannot and should not be hidden. Disciples, you are the light of the world. Now you should not, and you really cannot hide it. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. Now go further. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now that phrase city on a hill is quite popular. Sometimes the politicians pick it up. And they'll ascribe it to America. They'll say, America is that bright city on a hill. And they know, I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about here. Now, we, we like the idea, and I hope our country is a good influence in the world. I think back to World War II and being a liberator of Europe. That's wonderful. I love that. And I love how we do aid and try to help people around the world. So we're all for that. But, but that's not who Jesus is talking about. America didn't exist when Jesus said this. He's talking about you, believer in Jesus. Christian, you are the light of the world. You are that one who's described as a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So if we're going to talk about America, where does America fit in this? America needs the gospel. 
America has descended into ever greater darkness. And you and I have a role here in America to be the light of Jesus Christ to a dark culture that's confused. America's not the answer. Jesus is the answer for America, and we have that role here. So the point Jesus is making here by talking about a city on a hill that can't be hidden is that believers are the light that he has put in the world, carrying his light, and we could not and should not hide his light. So that first point here, the light cannot be hidden. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus is just illustrating when he comes into a life, the changes he makes, they cannot be covered up if it's real. It's going to start showing up in the life of a genuine believer. You're going to have a new love in you. You're going to have a new compassion for other people in you, a gospel concern for other people. You're just not going to be able to contain it. It's going to show up. But the other point here is it should not be hidden. And Jesus switches metaphors here to help us get that point. Verse 15, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. So he was talking about a city on a hill. You can't hide that. It's up there. You, what are you going to do? It's going to be seen. It's a dramatic difference from the darkness. And now, what if a person were to light a lamp? Would you immediately turn around and then put it under a basket? Jesus is saying, That's, that would be a ridiculous idea. Can you imagine somebody doing that? Let's talk about it. The power goes off at your home tonight. Somebody lights a lantern and then immediately covers it with a basket. You think, what are you doing? Why would you? Or let's get modern here. We have a flashlight. You turn on the flashlight and cover it with a bowl. Why would you do that? That's not the purpose of light. A light is for shining. And that's the purpose of believers. Believers are not to be hiding the influence of Christ in their lives. Jesus is not being ridiculous. So he floods you with his light. He floods you with hope, his purpose, his forgiveness, all that's put into you. But he did not intend for that to stay in you alone. He had other people in mind when he saved you, when he entrusted the gospel to you. Other people need it. So it's in you. You can't hide it. You shouldn't try to hide it. Don't cover it. Live confidently to make a difference in the world for Christ. You and I are to radiate and display the beauty of Christ. So let me ask you, are you hiding Christ in your life? Has it become kind of an unspoken plan of yours? I just want to live to be unnoticed. Have you, have you gotten to this? Maybe you're so scared of what people think about you. You think, I want to go a whole day at school and nobody even associate Jesus with me. Or I want to go a whole day and a whole year at the office. I hope they don't discover that I belong to Jesus. That's a misuse of the light. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world and you want Christ to be known through your life. Romans 1.16, I love Paul's attitude. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So we are light. We cannot and should not hide his light. And then I want you to consider what else Jesus says. If you just think about this phrase, Think about the scope of our impact. He says, you're the light of the world. Years ago now, when Joy and I sensed God's call to go overseas with the gospel, we faced common questions. And those of you who've served overseas, you got the same questions. And oftentimes it was by well-intentioned family. One of the common questions is, are you taking your kids with you? That's, that's, a, common, that's a comical one. People have to know, are you taking your kids? Well, of course, we're taking our kids. But the question I have in mind here is when family members who wanted us to stay, they just are saying, we're going to miss you. But they would try to pull a little theology, uh, theological uh, reasoning to it. They say, Jim, with all the needs in America, why would you take your family over to some other country? And we would always have three answers to that. We would first say, well, God has called us 
to go to this other country. And so we must obey the Lord. Second, we say, yes, America has needs, but the needs are even greater in these other countries where they are unreached people groups. Now we say unreached, unengaged people groups. They don't have access to the gospel. And so that's, that's why we're going there. But then the third one was this, we'd say, and God has left you here. Yeah, America is very needy. And if I fast forward to today, it's even needier than it was years ago. But you're here. And in fact, by God's plan, most American Christians are staying here. And so it's our role to make a difference in a very needy country. So we would never want to see missions and local ministry as competitors to each other. The Great Commission involves all of it. In fact, isn't it our desire? We want to shine ever brighter for Christ right here. While not taking our eyes off the nations, we want to continue to send more missionaries than ever from our church to the nations. But we want to shine more brightly here than ever before. As a team of pastors, we talk about this, and this is the kind of language we use. We say we, we want to increasingly think and act like a first-year church plant. Now, our church started in the 1950s, and I'm so grateful. And so we have the benefit of all these years of disciple-making going on here and the mature believers, and God adds to the church. But we want to think and act like a first-year church plant. So think with me. How does a first-year church plant, brand-new church, how do they act? Well, they have a holy desperation, don't they? Like, God, you got to come through. This may not even make it if you don't come for, through for us. So we're going to rely on your power. But don't they always have, too, a, a great outreach focus? Like, we exist to reach the community around us. We can't get distracted by anything else. We won't survive if we don't look out. We, we were started to reach a community. And so increasingly as a church, we want to think like a first-year church plant, benefiting from all the history and all the other great things we've done. So listen, how then do we shine as Jesus intends for us? Well, we say, verse, verse 16, Jesus says, but you want to shine before men. Let your light shine before men. So it's a global impact we're to have, but it's very personal. It's among people. It's going to, yes, happen even within our fellowship as we make disciples of each other, that we might know Jesus better, shine more brightly in the dark culture around us. But yes, it is stepping out of these walls and everywhere we go, representing Jesus Christ, seeking to have an impact in the world around us. Maybe you say, I, I feel too small. My life is too insignificant. I don't know that my life could have an impact. Have you noticed how big an impact even a very small light can make. Several years ago at our previous house, we used to have a storage shed at the back corner of our backyard and it, it would get quite dark at night, no lights out there. And I remember one time I had to go out there to get something and um, I just had a flashlight on my keychain, little tiny LED flashlight. And I remember I just got to get out there. I don't want to trip over roots. I don't want to run into a tree, it's dark. But that little light did everything I needed to do. And when I got to the shed, then I had a bigger flashlight and it made me think, you know, that's our role on the earth. My little light shining toward a bigger light. I just, I just need to get people to a bigger light, not trying to get them attracted to me, just trying to point to something else. I started thinking about our cell phones. Isn't our cell phone so much more than a cell phone? I mean, for me, it's my Bible, it's my calendar, it's my photo album, it's my journal, it's all those things, but it's also my flashlight. Have you noticed how often you do that? That's a great feature. That, that little light does so much, helps you find stuff, keeps you from tripping and falling down. And, and again, the whole idea is that's, that's temporary, but it's pointing to greater light. It's just gonna get me through till I can get some bigger light. That's our role on the earth. We're pointing to Jesus, who is the true light of the world. Again, how do we do this? Jesus brings up your works. Let your light shine before men in such a way, here we go, that they may see your good works. So you and I are to live intentionally 
in such a way that people will see what Christ is doing in our lives and they will look to him. So this speaks to how we live and what we do. Jesus makes the point. Make sure the world sees the difference that I've made in you. We're not to hide this. It's not just our actions, even our attitudes. The world should see there's a huge difference in your attitudes. Philippians 2.14, I think is so relevant for our times. Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, listen to this, among whom you appear as lights in the world. How, how am I going to be different? How am I going to show that? It's going to show up even in your attitude, even by us not grumbling and disputing. Now, have you noticed in this world right now, there's a lot we could complain about. I mean, we're in the middle of a, a pandemic, and it's gone on and on and on. And aren't we tired of it? A lot of things that we could grouse about and become quite negative about. Then, then you throw on a pandemic and election year, and it's getting more and more heated and all kinds of division in the culture. There's a lot that we could just fixate on and we could be known as those who grumble and dispute. But you and I are not to be among the angry complainers. In the midst of all this, we're to be productive for Christ. We're to point weary people to Jesus for rest. We're to point divided people to love and peace in Christ. We're to point hopeless people to the hope of Christ. We're to stand out as different from all that. Again, hear, hear this again. Philippians 2.14, hear how relevant it is. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. So oftentimes we focus on, and rightly so, this is a crooked and perverse generation. I mean, that's right. Paul lived in a crooked, perverse generation. We certainly do. So what do we do about it? Well, apparently it's not grumbling and disputing. That's not our move. You know, if I grumble and complain a lot about it and post a lot of angry stuff about it, I'm going to solve this problem. But no, he says, no, if you want to show yourself different in a crooked and perverse generation, you're going to have a different attitude. You're going to live differently and your attitude's going to be different. In fact, remember the Beatitudes here. Same sermon that we're looking at. We're, going to be, we're the salt of the earth, we're the light of the world. But before that, what's the nature of this? Remember he said things like this, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart. That's how we go out into this crooked world. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. That's where we go out with the gospel of peace. Verse 5, blessed are the gentle, the meek, the humble. That's how we go out as salt and light. How about verse 6? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We are to be very different. The contrast between us and the world around us should be quite evident in this crooked and perverse world. And now Jesus tells us the goal of all this. The goal is that God would receive the glory. Verse 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. So the whole point of all this, our works, our attitudes, is not so that the world would give us glory. Wow, he's a nice guy. Wow, she's a nice lady. That's not the point. It's not hypocrisy. We're just putting on a show for our image. No, it's, it's all of this with the express purpose that all the glory would go to the Father. So our motive is that God would get the glory. Our motive also with the light being the world is not to scold the world around us. You know, we understand when you shine light, 
those who love darkness aren't going to like that. And so there is, there is a part of that where light exposes things that are wrong. But our motive is to point to Christ. I think about this. When, when a parent wakes up their child in the morning, they can do it in one of two ways. There comes that moment when you got to turn the light on for a younger child. And a parent could do it like a drill sergeant. You know, the alarm goes off. The kid has no warning. You just come in there yelling with the light thrown on. Get up. The light's on. That's kind of cruel. No need to, that, you do that after a couple of warnings. Then you do that move. But you could come in the same light that's going to do the same thing. You come in, hey, good morning. You might want to shield your eyes because here comes the light. There's a tenderness there. Still getting the light out. And listen, this is us in the world. We're not trying to scold the world. We're trying to shine the light of Jesus to the world that God might be glorified. Think about it this way. I want God to be glorified as we introduce men and women to Jesus who are currently in darkness. How I shine the light could have a bearing on can I have an ongoing conversation with them that they might want to hear the gospel and come to Jesus as Savior? So, so let me ask you this. Are you shining in a way that God gets the glory? Are you shining in a way that people are seeing the difference Jesus made and they're wanting Jesus because of how you're shining? A number of years ago now, Salvador, a band, had a song with these words. Lord, let me shine. Shine like the moon. A reflection of you and all that I do. I still like that. A moon doesn't have any light of its own. It just reflects the light of the sun. And that's you and me. I'm nothing. I have no, nothing of myself to give away. But I do have the light of Christ. And that's what he wants to shine out. So, so I want to shine for him. So are you shining in your home for Christ? Is it evident that you know Jesus in the way you relate to others in your home? How about at work? Is it evident? I know you can't preach at work. But the way you live, the way you do talk, are people seeing there's something very different in this one? Or how about at school? And I know for our students, schools can be very different for our students. But, but is it your desire that when you go to school, whether it's online or whether in person, that people pick up Jesus from your life? That you are wanting to shine for Jesus and not wanting to hide his influence in your life. Oh, you want them to see Jesus. It's your purpose on the earth. And if you're, if you're not shining for Jesus, why not? Why not? Well, let me give you just a couple of encouragements before we go. First of all, recharge. You need to be in the presence of God. If you want to shine for Christ, make sure you're walking with Christ. And so not as a matter of legalism, but you need him and I need him. So meet with the Lord daily in the word, in prayer, that you might be revived in him so that you might radiate him more brilliantly as you go out about your day. Secondly, remove any baskets that you've put over the light, maybe baskets of busyness, certainly baskets of sin. You've, you've covered the, the glory of God in your life with sin. You must repent of that. No mixed message, no muted light going out. Ask God to help you as you forsake all sin and refocus, refocus your intentionality. God, I see my purpose. I see that you've called me the salt of the earth. I see you've called me the light of the world. Let's pray together.